Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Where to Go, your personal guide to the world's best destinations brought to you by DKR Witness. I'm James Atkinson, brand manager at DKR Witness. And I'm Lucy Richards, senior editor at DKR Witness. And today we're crossing the country and heading to Cornwall in company of a very special guest. Um, we're very excited, yes. aren't we, Lucy? Yes, uh, yes we are. Yep. Uh, but we'll, t- we'll tell you a bit more about who that guest is in a minute. But first, a few words on today's destination, Cornwall. Yes, Cornwall is England's most westerly and southerly county, slotting between the Atlantic Ocean and the English Channel. It's rich in its own unique history, culture and language. And Cornwall is known for its gorgeous beaches, crumbling castles and stunning countryside. With over 25% of the country designated by the UK government as an area of outstanding natural beauty. The rich scenery has inspired countless films, novels and TV series from Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca to the BBC's Poldark. But the jewel in the Cornish crown really is its coast, uh, all 422 miles of it, in fact, making up the majority of the 630 mile long southwest coast path, which showcases some of the most magnificent coastal scenery found in the UK. And so that brings us to our guest to discuss Cornwall with us. We're delighted to be joined by a particular expert on the southwest coast path, author Raina Wynne. Raina, or Ray, as, as, as we know her better, yes. uh, is the Sunday Times best-selling author of The Salt Path and The Wild Silence. The Salt Path, Raina's first book, follows the story of her and her husband, Moth, as they lose their idyllic home in the Welsh countryside and Moth is diagnosed with a terminal illness. Facing homelessness but refusing to be defeated, the couple decide to walk the entire 630-mile stretch of the southwest coast path, stretching from Minehead uh, in Somerset, on the sort of Devon-Somerset border, to Poole in Dorset via Cornwall and Devon. 
The book has since become an international phenomenon, both being nominated for and winning multiple awards and being named number one best-selling book in UK independent bookstores in 2019. But maybe um, more importantly, it has inspired many to take on the 630-mile challenge of the Southwest Coast Path. Raina's latest book, The World Silence, picks up where the salt path left off, with the couple taking a new challenge in Cornwall as a result of an incredible gesture. So without further ado, uh, welcome Ray. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Hello. Uh, Lovely to meet you and um, uh, brilliant to have you on the show as well. Uh, It's a real honour. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here. Um, So we'll start out by uh, finding a little bit more about Ray, uh, Cornwall and the Southwest uh, Coast Path. And after that, we'll hear a little bit about how the past year has been within the area. And we'll finish off by hearing about what the future holds for both Ray and potential visitors. And for context, we're recording this in April 2021, where the UK is only recently coming out of a lengthy stay at home Mm -hmm. lockdown, whereas some rules are relaxed, only essential travel is encouraged. However, the vaccine programme is working effectively and a further easing of the rules is expected in a few weeks with domestic holidays returning from then. Hooray. We're starting by looking at both uh, Ray's connection with Cornwall and the Southwest Coast Path and what makes it so special. Uh, so um, just to start with your life, uh, sort of almost before the Salt Path, um, had you always had an in, uh, intended to walk the, uh, the Southwest Coast, Coast Path or had you like kind of tackled any sections of it before? Had you been to any of the places that you later visited? No, I'd had absolutely no intention of walking the uh southwest coast path um i hadn't visited it before mm-hmm. i've been to cornwall once when i was about 10 oh, wow. um but moth had never been there at all we'd never really been to the southwest we'd always sort of taken holidays in the north mm-hmm. so um so it wasn't our intention to walk the coast path at all because <laughs> it sounds like in the book it was just pure kind of coincidence that you you'd saw this like this book sticking out of a box or something right when you were uh, leaving your house and uh, and and that's kind of what you know caused the spark really to start uh, to start the walk we were we were um, living in North Wales um, I had mm. no intention of going south um, but things had gone slightly pear-shaped in our lives and we just lost mm. our house just been served with an eviction notice and um, we were about to leave the door for the last time and there was this packing box in front of me and it had a book in it and it was a book I'd read ages, years before. It was uh, 500 Mile Walkies by Mark Warrington about this young man that walks yeah. the southwest coast path with his dog. And just in that awful moment when we knew we were about to become homeless and we'd got nowhere to go, mm. it just seemed like the most obvious thing to do just fill a rucksack and go yeah. for a walk so um that's what we did and that's how we set off with the idea that we were just going to be walking along the coast so in our heads we yeah. were just going for a beach walk but um you know a 500 mile walk was actually a little bit misleading because it's actually 630 miles isn't it and uh, yes yeah <laughs> but when you've walked 500 another 100 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nothing it's nothing <laughs> i think the problem with it was that it has this ascent that if you walk the whole path, is equal to climbing Everest nearly four times. Oh, wow. And that's that's the harsh bit about that path, is that it's relentless. Yeah, because, yeah. I, I mean, I was looking um, this morning, we, ha- we have a new um, uh, DKI Witness England South Coast book coming out quite soon, and I was looking at the map, and I was thinking... 
such a long way but there's actually it's so long because there's so many like bits that jut inland there's so many um as you say like kind of a sense and dissents uh I went on a holiday to Devon last year we went to like kind of Felston on the south coast and that bit is completely hilly every everything's up or down there's no yeah. flat at all the whole thing is um, just it's it is relentless you're, you're either mm. up on the cliff top or you're back down to sea level and you just do that continually all day long it just doesn't stop every day day after day and, <laughs> and, and, and did you guys have like when you when you started out um you know uh when you started out on the journey did you have any idea about how steep it was i, I i've I read um i went over the book again a little bit this morning and uh you talk about paddy dylan who's who wrote your guidebook and um uh you know you say that he he must be super fit or a complete liar or anything <laughs> where the, i think the first couple of ascents you're like how is he just calling this like wandering through <laughs> yeah yeah we, we bought that little guidebook mainly because it just fitted in moth's <laughs> pocket on his trousers um but then it turned out to be it turned out to be the most uh, important thing we could have done was to buy Paddy Dillon's guidebook. But I do have this like running argument through through the salt path with Paddy <laughs> Dillon. Because I, I'm convinced that he's XSAS because he, he says that you can walk these huge distances in a day that take us three or four days. And um and, but the very beginning, that very, very first moment of the coast path when we're standing in Minehead by the, the monument to the start of mm. the path. And he said that the path drifts gently inland and slightly uphill. That's it, that's and it. we're yeah, we're facing what looks like a near vertical cliff. And <laughs> yeah. From that moment on, we knew we got a problem. Have, have uh, you still got Paddy's book, right? I have, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a salty, torn memento from your odyssey oh, across absolutely. the South Coast. Have yeah. you actually met him since? Have I, have, you, uh... I have. I've met him a few times since. Um, I, had a, I was doing an event in Kendall and mm. um, he appeared as the audience and he brought me a new set of uh, guidebooks ones ah, that had, ah, had um, a whole new set of maps published to go alongside the guidebook mm. because I'd constantly complained in the book about you could only see what happened <laughs> half a mile inland you could be anywhere so they brought me a whole set of maps that went with it <laughs> oh, lovely uh, but in the salt path you kind of talk about uh, sort of how you prepared and mm. um, you know kind of buying a tent on eBay getting the weight down in your bags etc um, and for anyone kind of like tempted to, to walk it um, we're going to talk a bit about the, the path itself in a bit uh, what's the one kind of bit of, of advice you would do beforehand um, you would give to them beforehand about how to how to prepare how to prepare um get some boots that actually fit you <laughs> and even mm. then buy lots of blister plasters <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i think the blister plasters are a running theme they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are a bit. <laughs> um cool and uh and and you know uh again we'll we'll talk a little bit about the the path in a second but you're you're kind of currently now living in cornwall um so you've actually settled uh after taking this epic journey you've actually settled in the area which is amazing um and uh the wild silence your new book uh which actually comes out in paperback the same week that this uh this podcast goes out so coming very soon uh yeah very very coincidental that um but uh um uh uh can you tell us a bit about kind of where uh, readers might find you at the start of the, the, the wild silence? It's obviously just after you've done the walk. 
Yeah. Towards the end of the Salt Path, um, we're still homeless, but then we meet somebody in a cafe who offers us um, yeah. accommodation, a place to live. Strangely enough, right in the village where we intended ending yeah. the walk anyway. Um, so it just seems like fate. It seems like, you know, the obvious thing that we should do is to take that. And we do. And we move into this little apartment in this beautiful little uh, village. And it should be absolutely perfect. It should be mm. idyllic. And in so many ways it is. We've got a roof over our heads. Um, and everything should be perfect and life should go on. But um, I found it really difficult to make that transition from having been homeless on those uh, on those cliff tops to, mm. to going back into life under mm. a roof. And that's that's where you find the start of uh, wild mm. silence. Mm. Wow! And ha- and ha- sort of living in Cornwall generally, Ray. I mean, have you? Is it everything that you? How how has it been for you living in Cornwall? Like, you know, is it sort of everything you kind of thought it would be? Obviously, it's come with challenges. But outside of the pandemic, what is it about Cornwall? I suppose that that holds such magic for you and for a lot of people because a lot of people love the southwest i think for myself and for so many other people it's the coast mm. um it's that incredible rugged coastline of, mm. of cliffs and sea and you haven't got to go many miles and, and you're there along that coastline um mm. throughout the whole county because it's such a long thin county you're close to the coast no matter where you are yeah, and so for me, it's it's that uh, having spent so much time just living by the by the sea as we did, mm. um, you've got that really strong connection to it that you're just drawn back to it all the time. But I think more than that, or as well as that, it's people. The people here have been so friendly and so yeah. welcoming. Yeah. Um, they've just made us feel as if we're at home, as if we actually belong here, and uh, that's that's been. A great feeling how wonderful because there's a, there's it, in the salt path itself there's a there's a bunch of characters who kind of uh you know you come across on the way some 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 not so good so some 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 lovely ones i'm thinking of like the the aussie landlord of the pub and stuff who uh he's really like welcoming and encouraging and uh you have a sleep by the fire and stuff and his dog bites a hole in your sock and stuff like that um uh and yeah the the people do really kind of shine through it in a way yeah and you bump into a lot of other walkers including I think there is another couple who you bump into and you're kind of your paths kept crossing it seems like there's a real community around that kind of hiking along the southwest path south southwest path um yes there is there's a real sense of community and if you pass somebody else who's got a big rucksack you immediately know that they're doing more than just Mm. a couple of days walk so you're always going to stop and have a chat and share your stories and we met we met lots of people who were doing sort of week a week long Mm. section of the path or just doing a a long weekend um and so many different people from different walks of life from different age groups but mainly younger people obviously you know older Mm. people tend not to carry heavy rucksacks and walk long mileage but then we did meet that couple on the south coast who were the same age as us equally Mm. walking a long way and um and we did keep bumping into them because that's the nature of the path you're going in the same direction your paths are just going to keep crossing and um strangely our paths have kept crossing since and um we've made really? other trips with them since so it's been yeah that's lovely oh, fantastic that's so do, cool do you have a favorite section of the path Ray? i i'm you know 
it's probably too too much yeah. to kind of call out but do you have any sort of favorite there are, yeah there are 630 just... miles of it <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it's such a remarkable path of so many so many incredible spots that are also different so varied i mean you've got those incredible cliffs mm. of exmoor that are just so remarkable because you're just walking on this tiny little path about two foot wide and then it's just a near sheer drop down into the sea hundreds of feet below and that's that's like gives you a sense of almost like you're like you're flying with the gulls wow. it's it's wow. incredible and then down on the south coast, you've got a huge, long stretch behind behind, behind Chesil Beach, um, along Fleetwith Lagoon, and that is so calm, so tranquil. Mm. It's it's almost as if life's been put into some syrup smooth slow motion. It's an incredible place. Lovely. But for me, I think for me, the place I always get drawn back to is these blocky granite cliffs just beyond Land's End and they're right there at the very edge of the land and the start of the sea. You can't go any further west in England than mm. that and there's that real sense of just you and the elements and, and a, a spot between between elements almost. It's wow, huge sense of freedom where the, the sea just comes boiling up and just throws fish into the air and it's it's just the most remarkable spot I'm, i just keep going back to that incredible we, we we've got a, a, a book that's just come out about like kind of cycling the world one of the extracts is about like doing land's end to john o'groats by a cycle and it actually says that the land's end bit is the hardest section because it's so windy and because you've just got all the elements just there and like facing you um, it sounds like pretty yeah. wild in a way. Yeah, it's quite wild. It's, it's really, really windy, even on a still day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and if it rains, it's sort of horizontal rain. It's, it's uh, yeah. Wow. Elemental. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I've t- certainly taken from the salt path is that the, 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 the path is actually like has so many different contrasts to it as you were talking about before it's like kind of up and down like kind of uh elements and sheltered calm tranquil beaches and so on there's so much variety there um mm. and so actually kind of like settling down and this is where the uh, the wild silence kind of sees you uh into normal life afterwards um you talk about kind of adapting like uh, i think you put a tent up in your in your room and stuff right uh, to to get back to normal but how how have you actually found uh daily life in cornwall uh, uh since then how how have you kind of adapted since then since those first really quite tricky days of adapting which turned out to actually be more like about two years of adapting <laughs> um since then it's become much easier mm. Um, and I think I think it's the people that have made it easy. And there's such a richness to life here because people are drawn here from all over the country, from all sorts of yeah. different times and points in their lives. And yet they're drawn here to this coast. So you get this incredible mix of people. It's it, it's really it's a really interesting place to live. Yeah, there is some kind of a mysticism around Cornwall. I think there's something about it. Maybe as you say, maybe it's because it's so elemental. Yes. Um, people, you know, Brits do seem to really flock to to Cornwall. There's something about it. I don't think it's just Brits. I think it's like there's there's so many, internationally, there's so many people around the world who like kind of, yeah, Yeah. end up up there because I think it's it's unique. You kind of talk about um, in the book, and I didn't know this, but there's like, is it like a fault line that runs from like kind of Ireland to Wales to um, to Portugal? um, And 
uh, that makes those kind yeah. of huge cliffs and stuff. And I think there's mm. there's something that's really kind of legendary. I think uh, there's, mm. uh, very poetic. I mean, I think it's been in many, many poems. <laughs> um, I think it is. I mean, it's, it's such a place of history mm. and myth and legend and, and we feel connected to it in so many different ways. But I think I think a lot of people are drawn to the, to the edge of the land as well. And they don't necessarily yeah. know why. They're just yeah. drawn to that edge. And I think... It, I think it's that sense of freedom that comes with being at the very edge of the land because behind you is everybody and everything, but ahead of you is just that infinite possibility of the horizon. Yeah, yeah. And, the and I think there's so many of us are drawn to that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. If you weren't someone who was willing to take on the whole 630 miles of the path, do you have like kind of one part that you would tell people to kind of start off with or like go visit first to start off with oh goodness um <laughs> if you if you were going to start off with it i would do the um i would do the uh the walk behind uh fleet with lagoon because it's flat for miles yeah. and miles and it's beautiful if you wanted to go for something that was Gen- generally yeah, easing exactly. yourself into it so. <laughs> if you wanted to go for something that's just utterly beautiful utterly stunning then I'll go to St. Ives and walk around mm. through Zeno and, and Senum, round Land's End to Porth Curnow, because that is just the most remor- mm. remarkable part of Cornwall. Or if you really want to just give yourself a bit of a scare, wow. walk over those cliffs at Exmoor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, uh, I don't know, my, my sense of vertigo was already triggered by that, so maybe I'll go for that, <laughs> the easier bits for sure. <laughs> So now we're going to look at Cornwall during the past year, the pandemic. So, Ray, how have you personally found this year and how has it affected, if it has affected, yours and Moth's plans in life? Well, um, yeah, it changed a lot of things because um, Mm. when uh, the first lockdown was announced, um, the Wild Silence was about to be published and Mm. we got four months of virtually back-to-back bookings of events were were all scheduled to take place. Um, But then, of course, all of that was cancelled and the book publication was put on hold until September. Um, And then we just found ourselves here in Cornwall. Um, But we were lucky because we're here in a spot in the countryside where where we're not surrounded by the houses, where it's just us. And we had a chance to just sit and observe nature, really, which was, in mm. a way, quite a pleasant thing to do. It was quite a, a, a mm. nice thing to actually take a little bit of time out of what had become quite a hectic sort of schedule. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine after, after, the, um, after the salt path, things had changed quite significantly where you were having to do lots of interviews and, and, and publicity yes. and stuff for that. And actually bit, probably being able to almost, and, and writing the second book almost yeah. immediately as well. Like it must've been nice to take a, a bit of a it's break. It's two, two really, really busy years. Um, the Salt Path was published. Mm. We moved into a farm that was completely neglected and derelict and, and, mm. <clears throat> and um, 
And then I was writing, I was writing Wild Silence whilst doing the publicity for the Salt Path. And then the Wild Silence was about to be, about to be re- released. And I was going to start the whole publicity cycle all over again without a gap in between. Um, so when we were locked down, everything was yeah. put on hold. It was just for a moment. It was like, oh, okay. Mm. And then, and then actually, um, actually just allowed ourselves to relax into the fact that there was no pressure to do anything at all other than just live in the moment now. Mm. And um, there was something quite, quite, um, quite soothing about that in a way, which I was very lucky. I was very lucky because I was here in the countryside. Had I been somewhere else in in a flat with no access to outside space, it would have been a very different story. Obviously, a lot of people have kind of relied in the past year on going for walks and discovering their own back gardens, their backyards. Has that been quite rewarding for you as someone who has written about walking to kind of watch people slow down and just enjoy going on long walks? Yeah, I mean, that's been a fantastic thing, hasn't it? It's got everybody's appreciated walking and and have taken so much from it, taken so much personally from that time just... It's like time out in a way to just walk. Mm. Um, so it's it's really encouraging. I just really hope that people feel that's something they want to take forward. You know, now life's starting to get back to yeah. normal. I think it's all about like it's almost seeing your area in a, in a completely different light. Really, actually taking the time to observe it to find bits of nature, no, no matter where you live, in a way. Mm. And um, I, I think you know whether you're in Cornwall, whether you're in London, whether you're elsewhere, it's actually quite uh, quite at least in the early stages of the lockdown before um things started to get a bit lengthy it was quite a relief in a way mm. to slow down and see and see the world in a bit of a different way yes i think we've all found um things in our locality that we maybe didn't even know were there before um, yeah 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 and come to appreciate our locality far more so so there's been some benefit in that yeah and, and how about you have you kind of found any new sort of hidden uh, new favourite places around Cornwall? Or, well, yeah. Um, I imagine you, you must have gone a few, on a few walks during that time, right? Well, we're supposed not to, aren't we? we we've been we've been told we've got to stay local yeah. and not travel. Um, so the first the first lockdown, I think we all stuck to that quite mm. well. We all stayed really, really local um, and walked just within the vicinity, mm. which has been really interesting because it's it sort of led me to to little. Places on the riverbank, I think, have been a really interesting thing. On the uh, on the Foy estuary and where it goes higher up the river, and when the, the tide goes out, it just exposes these vast mudflats. And the wildlife and the bird life on those mudflats has been incredible. And I would never have taken the time to actually go down there and sit on the mudflats mm. if it hadn't been for the lockdown. So, mm. so that's been a really, really interesting thing to do. To watch the waders oh. come and go and the different the different invertebrates that strangely just living that mud <laughs> <laughs> and obviously like kind of um you know when people that were able to travel again so like last summer when when things started to ease up and you know as they are kind of doing right now i guess in terms of um uh you know i think staycation oh I, I say staycations i know that's the wrong use of the term but uh um but for want of a better word are kind of starting again from the from the 12th of april um uh, but how have how's kind of um, the the sort of almost flip flopping of demand affected the area? Um, have you seen kind of seen tourists kind of come and go, and and has it like affected the local area? Mm. Yeah, it's been a difficult question actually because during lockdown, um, 
it's been so quiet here. It's been really quiet. The roads have been quiet. The beaches have been empty. So when people have visited their holiday mm. homes uh, and come to stay in the holiday homes, they've mm. been very visible yeah. uh, to people in the locality who who haven't necessarily felt comfortable yeah. Yeah. with that. Um, so especially in the first lockdown, it did cause a, a few localised mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when when everything opened up again in the summer last year, of course, of course, everyone came to Cornwall and it was absolutely full Mm. to heaving. Mm. So our resources were absolutely stretched to breaking point at times. And I think the greatest fear with a lot lot of people that lived here was that in the whole of Cornwall, there's only one hospital. Yeah. Ah. And so for the millions of visitors that come down and did come down last summer, had COVID escalated during that time, um down here we had only got one hospital and that was that was a big concern i don't um, know that yeah and now of course we're, we're facing we're facing the next opening after another lockdown yeah. when who knows when people can take holidays outside the country so i expect the same thing will happen again but i think we've we've all got a little bit of a, a better perspective on on um resources and how covid will will affect those because I guess it, it, it's one of those uh, things, isn't it, where the Cornish economy quite, like uh, relies on tourism to, to uh, well, as, as a big part of it um, to an extent, but also, you know, you, you don't want things to become overrun. And I think, um, uh, you know, over tourism can be can be a con- kind of concern as well. That, that's been the problem because absolutely Cornwall runs on tourism. Mm. It, it cannot function without tourism um but there's a balance i think yeah. there's a balance and i think last year we sort of tipped that balance um mm-hmm. but i think i think everybody welcomes them everybody everybody is ready for the start of the tourist season and and welcome it with open arms um they just hope that the people who come and visit treat the place with the same respect that, yeah. that they do um and I think it's it's got respect for the countryside is something that that maybe people need to need to understand a little more. That's it. A lot in the salt path you talk about the leaving no trace. I imagine that for yes. those people who do want to walk a stretch of the salt path, it's really important that they leave no trace. It really is. It really is. I mean, when I was young, when I was which is quite a while ago, we used to have the countryside code where you, you shut the gate mm. behind you and you took your rubbish home with you. Yeah. Um, and it was such a simple mm-hmm. thing, and yet it was adhered to. Um, so I think maybe we need to, now a lot more people are coming out and exploring their own, their own countryside within their own country, and that's fantastic that we explore our country. Maybe we just need to understand how to respect it while we explore it. Very true and uh, yeah. yeah yeah because since the coast path you've become a, an ambassador for the southwest coast path as well haven't you and um uh and i guess you know there, there are plenty of like spots on there that are like lesser known and lesser known stretches and so on and i guess there's a thing to everyone like kind of exploring new new sections and not all kind of climbing into one place yeah. as well yeah right? i mean it's 630 miles and yet yeah. of the millions of visitors that come to this coast so many of them just stick to the little honeypot areas and yet between yeah. those in between those are the they're the real, the real gems the real magical spots where you don't get many people and the coves are hidden away and you've you've got to walk across fields to get to them they're they're the, yeah. the beautiful spots really 
that you need to look out for. Cool. And have you kind of seen demand grow for the PATH in the uh, uh, dur- during um, the ver- the various times of lockdown, like in and out? Um, I think I think uh, certainly, as Lucy mentioned before, walking has become such a huge activity and actually like kind of a big part of people's lives. I think now. It has. It really has. And, and yes, um, this last year has seen a lot more people on the path. Um, when I met Paddy Dillon, he was he was telling me that he, you know, he's walked his path quite a few times, but he'd never seen so many people walking the path or so many people with backpacks. Mm. So that's, you know, that's great that we're getting out there and we're exploring it. Um, but Southwest Coast Path Association, um, raise funds to to protect that path and mm-hmm. to keep it keep it in safe order for people to use it um and yet of all those millions of people that use that path only one percent of them ever donate anything to the oh, coast really? path association is that right yeah yeah so it's Gosh. it's it's a sad fact that we take we take and yeah. we take a lot more than we ever give back gosh so yeah, that's almost a top tip. Really, make sure to yeah. <laughs> uh, support support the path association yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, well, um, uh, we'll we'll move on a little bit to talking about the future and uh, uh, being quite optimistic for it. But uh, yeah, thanks for that. If you're planning your own visit to Cornwall or England's southwest coast, why not grab a decal witness guide? May sees the release of an all-new edition of DKI Witness England South Coast. And of course, there's our best-selling top 10 pocket guide to Cornwall and Devon. Find those books in all good retailers or via the link in our episode description. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So we're now going to look at, ahead at what the future holds uh, in store for Ray, Cornwall and potential visitors. So um, I wanted to kind of start with um, uh, you and Moff. So, um, uh, uh, so I hear that we're doing this podcast a little bit early um, just because you guys have another walk planned. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, your podcast is going out in about a month's time, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, hopefully by then, everything crossed, um, we'll have set off on another adventure. Um, so, yeah, can, that's why we're really Can you tell us where? Or is it... I can't actually tell you where just yet, Ooh. but I can Ooh. say it's in the UK. And okay. it's, it's longer than the coast path. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> my mind is really boggling right as to where it could be um yeah yeah, yeah. Is, are, you, are you still sticking to the coast or can you say oh, um that? i'll come and go from the coast 
Okay. Okay. Excellent. Interesting. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be hearing <laughs> more more about that soon. But actually, you've done quite a few walks since um, uh, uh, since doing the Southwest Coast Path, right? So you you guys went to Iceland. Is that we correct? We did. Wow, what an incredible trip that was! Incredible. Um, yeah, Moth had got in his head that he would like to go on another long walk, and we had this book mm. called Epic Hikes, a hundred epic hikes or something, and uh, it had these incredible pictures of these multicolored mountains in Iceland. Yeah. Um, so we went to Iceland, and uh, we took this four-hour off-road bus trip into the southern highlands of Iceland. And it dropped us at this place called the Land Manavalga. Um, and it was on this incredible, massive glacial riverbed at the head of a um, uh, extinct lava flow. Um, and mm. it was just like, a, it wasn't really a place at all. It was just a sort of collection of tents around a shed and an old school bus. And then this bus drove away, and we were just there. What on earth are we doing? I can't believe I can't believe you. I mean, firstly, it's quite a journey to go from the start of the salt path, where where Moth is, you know, mm. really having a horrible time uh, with his health, with his with his back and his shoulder, and actually then wanting to go on another yeah. on another hike, and then actually making the decision to go to Iceland. Yeah. That is that's quite phenomenal really that's it's quite inspirational for anyone kind of uh struggling to 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 get out of bed and go walking and stuff yeah when moth was diagnosed with his illness he was told that there was all we could face was maybe two years of very rapidly declining health um but then we walked 630 miles of the coast path and strangely his health improved in ways we've been told were utterly impossible and um, but then yeah. after that, after the path ended, um, he studied for a degree, uh, and yeah, yeah. that meant that he was very sedentary for quite long periods mm, of time, and his health of really declined really quickly. Um, then we found ourselves on a farm, so he was outside in the natural world, quite physically active, mm-hmm. and his health mm-hmm. started to improve again. And we thought, okay, there is really, this, this wasn't a, um, just a one-off. There is something in this. And he sort of started to think mm. that yeah. another long walk might might prove to him that actually those distance walking trips actually yeah. made a difference to him. So off we went to the Lauga Vega Trail in uh, Iceland. And then this other one that followed on from that that I can't even pronounce the name of. (laughs) (laughs) I do have it somewhere in my notes, but yeah, I don't think think I'm going to try it. I could say it, but it would be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) How is he now, Ray? How is Moth now? He's he's not as well as he was when we finished the Coast Path, but he's still in way better health than Mm. doctors ever said he would be. And this is years after he was diagnosed. Yeah. With those predicted two years, so... We do, we just yeah the power of absolutely. nature yeah I, guess. I hope um, I hope so I hope that's what it is because yeah. that's a yeah that's a renewable resource isn't it <laughs> yes yes have, have you kind of had any like doctors or anything kind of explain that or is it just kind of un- unknown it's just uh they can't explain it I mean they, they don't doctors can only can only give uh, diagnosis and judgments based on huge rafts of research yeah. on research that's gone on for years usually um, and they don't have that um, but what I have found is research into other things that points to reasons why he might he might have improved as he did and and go, you know research into endurance training and how that affects 
uh, yeah. neurological diseases, yeah. but also into the way that our body bio, biochemically interacts with chemicals emitted by plants and how we almost need that interaction on a primeval level, really. So there are mm. so many elements that could could combine to be the reason why his health improved. And I'm no scientist to tell you what that is, but we just keep walking. Well, it's, right. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so fantastic and, and, and good to hear that he's still in, in, in good health. Um, uh, yeah, wish you all the best for that. Um, and kind of um, uh, we have heard that kind of uh, there's uh, potentially a film of the Soul Path uh, being made uh, or it's been optioned, right? Um Congratulations on that. Is there any news on that? Can you tell us any more? Um, it has been optioned, yes. Um, uh, we've gone through the first round of, of setting things up. Um, we have a director and um, they're working on the uh, script at the moment. So. Brilliant. Fingers crossed. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, we'll definitely be going to see that for sure. Um, and, and, um, and, is there a book number three in the works? Uh, yes, there will be. Yes, it should be out at some point in 2022, so next year. Yeah. Fantastic. And and will that kind of see you guys picking up from, off from the Wild Silence and kind of the, the... In some ways, in some ways, but you will need your walking boots for this one. Oh, that's it. That's <laughs> intriguing. It. That's very, very, very <laughs> intriguing. So, Ray, with kind of the view to people coming to, to Cornwall, hopefully in the summer when more travel is allowed, um, do you have any kind of key messages that you want to give people about respecting that magical um, landscape that mm. you've talked about and that obviously is, there's something very healing about it as well as disgust? Is there anything that you want to kind of tell people or kind of encourage them to think about when they're there? I think this is such a, a beautiful and and remarkable part of the country. Um, enjoy it and take mm. incredible pleasure from being here. But really, you've got to follow the, the code that wild campers try to live by, which is basically to leave no trace. So you come, you, you enjoy it, you, you soak up that beautiful, beautiful landscape, but then don't leave anything of yourself behind if you can carry your rubbish in, you can carry it out again. Um, and just just don't don't leave anything that changes that landscape. Mm. Leave it as you found it. And then it'll be there, beautiful, pristine for you when you come back next time. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Perfect. That's a that's a that's a very okay. nice way to finish. And um I I'm just conscious as well about the um you know the, the 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 trust as well. Do you do you want? Is there a way easy way to donate to them? Um, um, yes, if you just go to the Southwest Coast Path Association's website. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I haven't got the website in my head. What the address is? I'm sure you can anyway, Google it. <laughs> if, if it, yeah, if you Google for the Southwest Coast Path Association's website, um, then there are lots of ways of donating through their site. You can just donate, or you can take part in their Every Mile Matters campaign. Um, which is uh, lots of people covering however much mileage they can in order to raise money for for the Coast Path Association. So lots of ways you can help them. Fantastic! So you can both like kind of visit the path, do your get in your miles, and also uh, you know help back. the future of the path really yes. give something back. Yeah. That's remarkable. Uh, well, um, yeah, um, and my my very very final question, and we've touched on it a little bit. Um, but you've talked kind of passionately a bit about, um, uh, and we've mentioned about Paddy and and his guidebook. Um, uh, but you know, kind of 
we obviously pu- publish guidebooks too and um i love like kind of how your relationship with it how you write how you uh you know we kind of we've talked um a bit about um uh, to a few customers who've like basically destroyed their guidebooks by writing in the margins uh ripping out pages drawing maps drawing extra bits and pieces on them um uh do you kind of um, still have a special relationship to, to that guidebook and, and to others? Do you uh, uh, do you still kind of take it around with you? Yeah, absolutely. That guidebook, it's it in the book. I talk about it as if it became our friend in our yeah. pocket because it was like I got Paddy Dillon in my pocket because I was always going to take that out of the pocket and there would be somebody who knew the way. They knew that path and, and how to take me forwards on it and it was so important so we really did have an interactive relationship mm. with that book and now it's it's full of it's full of sand and feathers and bits of paper it's written in the margins where moth made notes of where we camped or the people we'd met and and i drew from those notes when i was ah. writing the salt path so it came salt path like grew out of that guidebook so guidebooks are they are so important, but they're mm. not like pristine little perfect books that you keep in immaculate order. They shouldn't be. Yeah. They are they become your, your trail. They become your trail embodied in a few bits of paper. I, personally I can't rip the pages out because each page <laughs> each page holds something, holds a memory. <laughs> I, I I love the idea of like a and I think this is true for so many people. Um, and uh, as I say, when we talk to people and they've done it, it's kind of affirming on our job. But like a, a, like a guidebook being a conversation of it being, as you say, someone in your pocket who's there and actually like adding your your trip and your re- real lived experience into it. It becomes more than a kind of souvenir. Well, if you read The Salt Path, you'll realise that ours really did become a conversation. We were arguing with Paddy <laughs> as we walked along. <laughs> Even though we only had his book, it became a, an argument between us and Paddy Dillon. Um, so when we went to Iceland, um, I had to find a, a guidebook that was written by Paddy Dillon. <laughs> Because yeah. because we come to trust him so much, you know. If it, if anybody was going to get us through, it was going to be Paddy. <laughs> and did you argue with him again? Did oh you, uh... yeah, absolutely. He got us quite lost once. So <laughs> even, even he's uh, not always bang on. <laughs> I was just going to say I'm so delighted to hear as a guidebook editor the salt path was born out of your scribbled notes in a guidebook ray that just is so wonderful that's just i just love it it's made my day oh fantastic i do love guidebooks <laughs> <laughs> well I, th- I think um uh that's kind of all we've got time for but um uh that's it was so oh, wonderful to hear from you ray been, um, thank you. you talked so so beautifully about that part of the country about interacting with nature um yeah it's a it's a real real pleasure um oh thanks well it's been lovely to talk to you really nice (laughs) thanks for inviting me Once again, a huge thank you to Ray. That was just wonderful. Wasn't it just? That's one of uh, one of my favourite oh. episodes to record so far. I think me um, too. She uh, just has such a beautiful way with words, and I'm just yeah. Cornwall is just an incredible place. It was wonderful. It's that connection to nature. It's that kind of um, that's uh, it. The passion about the path as well, and um, and yeah, just really, really, really takes you there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you're like me, you'll be planning your 
trip on the southwest coast path <laughs> as we speak uh so um uh so that's all all we've got time for today but um but do join us again in another fortnight where we'll be going on another adventure we don't know where yet but we'll we shall find out very soon and do check us on social media at DK Witness to maybe find out where. Um, so uh, after all of that, um, I'm off to plan my Cornwall trip. <laughs> Hope you are too, Lucy. And, yeah, um, definitely. Thanks to you, Lucy. Thanks to producer Julia, who's uh, who's smiling and nodding at us as we speak. <laughs> and thanks to you, listener. We shall see you soon. Where to Go was produced by the team at Duke Her Witness and the wonderful Julia Baker. It was presented by James Atkinson and Lucy Richards. For more information about Duke Her Witness, follow us on social media at Duke Her Witness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.